The family is to be a well-oiled machine, every individual part having its specific function, designed specifically, brings benefit to the entire whole family. When a father, mother, and child are actively participating in the home, the home becomes an unstoppable force in society for good. But what happens in a family that isn't functioning correctly? What happens when the father is absent, when the mother is disengaged, when the child is rebellious? What happens when the family unit begins to break down? Over these next three weeks, I'm gonna be sharing that concept, what the Bible says. I'm gonna be sharing two aspects. First, the biblical ideals, and then secondly, the the alternative realities both essential to understanding the modern family. First, we're gonna talk about fatherhood. I'm a father, I I love being a father. There are awesome benefits of being a father. First of all, you have a lot of people spending your money. (laughs) Secondly, you have a lot of people making fun of you. But one of the cool things about being a daddy is this. Um, Some of you may not know this, those who are not fathers yet, um, or mothers or children, the, one of the things that happen immediately upon fatherhood, you, under, you experience this, Jacob, is that you get immediate access to the library of dad jokes, which is really cool. Like immediate access. Now, it used to be physical locations, like an actual library. Only fathers could get in. You would look up the jokes and tell people. You know what it's like. You've got several children, right, Lorenzo? How many children do you have? Right, and so you have the, now you're probably shocked that I'm telling non-fathers about the library of dad jokes, but we all have the same ones, and now it's all online, thank God, we don't have to go anywhere, you just look them up and tell the same jokes. All dads have the same jokes. For example, here's a joke all dads will tell, right? Hey, did you get a haircut? No, I got them all cut. <laughs> it wasn't funny when your dad told it. It's not funny when you tell it. How many of you have heard dad say this joke? The sirens, like police are going by, and they all have the same joke. Oh, they're coming after me. Ah, It's not funny. (laughs) But you get access to this entire library of dad jokes. It's also cool because as a dad, you get to start working on your dad bod, right? You almost spit up your coffee there, didn't you? (laughs) Some of you have been working on the dad bod since before you're a dad. You're prepping. You're looking to the future, right? You also get the dad moves. Dads all have the same moves, right? As soon as you become a dad, you now have permission to grunt every time you sit down and stand up. Every dad does it. You say, please stop. No, I've got two more. Every father, every dad does the same thing, don't they? Every dad, after a meal, you pat your belly, you know? Every dad does this. Every dad I know does this. Instead of just pulling in the parking space, you have to back in the parking space. My wife always says, why are you doing that? Because I might need to escape quickly. Some of you backed in today to your parking space. I love being a dad, I love being a dad. I'll tell you this, the phrase I'm about to use, it's the main proposition for today's sermon, is a controversial one. The phrase I'm about to have on the screen is one that a lot of people are not going to feel good about the first time you see it. 
And even myself, I've preached this sermon multiple times already here today and throughout the week at different services. Now look, as even when I see this phrase, I get a little uncomfortable and I ask myself, is that really true? And the reason this phrase is so controversial and it, and it smacks us as almost offensive is because we live in a society that is very active in, oh man, this one's hard to say, brainwashing us to think differently than the Bible thinks. And so this phrase is going to smack you maybe a little bit, like it does me. Are you ready for it? Okay, here it is. Let's put it on the screen. The good father is essential. It's an essential element to a strong family. The good father is an essential element to a strong family. But Pastor, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. But now I have about 30 minutes to prove my point from the Bible. Let's see if I can, okay? Maybe I'm wrong. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this by looking first at the current dilemma. See, what do you mean the current dilemma? Let's go ahead and talk about the society today in which we live and the lack of fatherhood we see in our current society. As we look at the current dilemma today, I want you to first see this statistic. Uh, this is all not coming from Christian or evangelical perspective. This is all data that is coming from the secular world here in the United States through places like, uh, like uh, well, like the U.S. Census Bureau. The U.S. Census Bureau tells us that 19.5 million children in the United States, more than one in four children in the United States live without a father in the home. 25% of children in this country do not see daddy. Big deal, you say. So what's the responsibility? So what's the big deal? I mean, don't we look at the modern family and realize it can be any place? They don't need the father. Well, let's go ahead and look at some more statistics. Children living in a female-headed home with no spouse present. Now, before I move on, can I just say this? Thank God for single moms who are willing to stand up and take responsibility and try and attempt to live as a father and a mother where some man has left his responsibility. Thank God for them. It doesn't change the statistic. Children living in a female-headed home with no spouse present have a poverty rate of 47%, over four times the rate of children living in married couple families. That's just the facts, friends. And if you've got a heart of Christ, it ought begin to bleed for those children who are living under the poverty line because there were men unwilling to take their heavy duty seriously. Look at this statistic. The absence of a biological father contributes to the increased risk of maltreatment. Well, of course it does. Maltreatment as related to malnourishment. Maltreatment as it relates to physical abuse, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse. Of course it's on the rise. Of course it would be on the rise because what do you do when you remove the protector from the home? What, what happens in your house if today you go home and you remove the front door? Well, eventually somebody's gonna come in and take advantage of the house. And when you remove the essential nature of the father out of the home, of course children are gonna be experiencing maltreatment. 
we go on. Individuals from father-absent homes are 279% more likely to carry guns, deal drugs, than peers living with their fathers. I thank God for those great, brave young men and women who defy these odds, are raised without a father, and make a determination that they will not follow that path, but it doesn't change the statistic. This is our current dilemma. Look at the next statement. Compared to pregnant women without father support, pregnant women with father support experience a lower prevalency of pregnancy loss. Now this is amazing to me. 22% versus 48%. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you telling me, pastor, that a father present before the child is even born helps the delivery of the unborn child into the world? I'm not telling you that, friend. That's the facts of our society. See, the reason that's hard to believe is because, look at me, listen to me, men, look at me. A lot of you have been taught that you're just an animal. And as an animal, you've got a deep, desire through millions of years of evolution to just spread your genetic code as far and wide as possible. And so that's what you need to do, just spread your genetic code as far and as wide as possible, and in doing so, you're going to advance the species. Now listen, that, has, that is a worldview, that is the secular worldview that has led to our current dilemma. That is not what the Bible says your responsibility is. You are not merely a genetic donor. The moment of conception, you have responsibility, sir. A sacred, heavy duty. Look at the next statistic, if you will. Children raised in a father-absent home are two times more likely to suffer from obesity. Well, of course they are. Why? Number one, they're going to live under the poverty line, and we all know the cheapest food is the most unhealthy food. Number two, there's no father in the home to help teach proper exercise, proper nutrition, proper discipline, and one person is expected to do all of those things. Do you understand? Next statistic is heartbreaking. There are two million single father households. By the way, thank God for the single dads willing to raise their children when mom has left. Thank God for them. But for every, for every one single father you'll meet with children in the home, you'll meet five single moms with children in the home. Please do not tell me, sir, in your male egocentric worldview that it is the men of society who lead. This statistic tells us the exact opposite. It is women who stand up and take the responsibility when men run away. Thank God for strong women. You say, man, you're making me feel bad. I'm sorry. What do you want me to say? Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, what is church supposed to be? I'm supposed to bring everybody in and pat you on the head. Everybody's perfect. Go away. Bless you all. We have a dilemma in our society. And many of us think the dilemma has something to do with Washington. And some of us think the dilemma has to do with something else. Here's the dilemma. Dads are not being dads, and they haven't been for decades. Let's move on. 
Daughters are less likely to engage in risky sexual behavior when they are consistent contact with a sense of closeness with their dads. Well, of course, so that makes sense, right? So you've got a 14-year-old girl. She desires to be known that she's beautiful and that she's cared for and that she's loved. But a dad isn't in a home. He's addicted to pornography and out trying to be a womanizer because he's so cool. He's a player. And so now she doesn't have any sense of value, so she tries to find that value in some type of father figure. And that father figure doesn't want to be a father. He just wants to be a player himself. And so the cycle perpetuates itself. The cycle continues in the next slide. Men with absent fathers are more likely to become absent fathers themselves. Of course they are because they didn't see their father around. Next slide. The last one here. Children living without their father in the home are 47% more likely to live in poverty. Say, well, that's a problem. Okay. This was not the way it was supposed to be. And that's what leads me to my second point today. There was an original plan by God that saved us from all of this. See, God created us, and God established several things in the Bible. He establishes the church in the New Testament. He establishes the government in Genesis chapter nine. And in the early stages of the book of Genesis, God establishes the family. And he establishes the family as one man and one woman who come together and procreate and we see children. And each role in that family function in a very specific way. The original plan was for the father, number one, to be present. The father was supposed to be present. The father was supposed to be there. The father was supposed to be there with the children. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Don't push your children to a life of anger and bitterness, but instead bring them up training them and admonishing them. You can't train your children and correct your children if you're not in their lives. You say, well, we pay people to do that. No, sir, it is your responsibility. It's your sacred duty. It's your heavy duty. It's your responsibility. You see? By the way, let me just stop and say this. You say, well, I'm, I'm in the home. Listen to me. You can be physically present and emotionally distant. Look at me, look at me. Some of you men need to understand that a real man understands what it is to be connected to their emotions and their spirituality. That isn't so insecure that you can't look at your 12-year-old daughter, hug her and give her a kiss and say, I love you that you can't look at your little boy and say, hey, daddy's proud of you. I wanna talk with you about some things. Just because you're in the room looking at your phone doesn't mean you're present. Maybe we need to turn off the screens and actually be with our children. I'm preaching to me, friend. 
The Father was to be present. That was the original plan. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're feeling like I am as a dad, I'm kind of like, I don't think I'm living up to it. I know, I know we're gonna talk about what to do. Number two, number two, the Father was also to be a teacher and a disciplinarian. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24, he who spares the rod hates his son. He who loves him disciplines him promptly. That means the rod, speaking of disciplining your child, teaching your child. Daddy, listen to me. It's your responsibility to teach and discipline your children. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, we've got teachers who do that. Aren't we thankful for the teachers of our society? Praise God for those who dedicate their lives to teaching our children. Yeah, let's praise God for them. Amen. I love them. But listen to me, sir, we don't hire mercenaries to do our jobs. We understand that it is our responsibility ultimately to teach our children the things they need to know. Now, thank God, I don't know algebra, so we've got some good teachers to teach my kids that. But I do, listen, listen, I do know what it means to work hard. I do know what it means to take care of my property. I do know what it means to protect my family. I'm teaching these things to my children. We need to be teaching these things to our children. It is your responsibility to be teaching and admonishing and disciplining your children. Number three, the original plan was for him to be present, for him to be a teacher, to be a disciplinarian, and he is to be a provider. He's to be a provider. Listen, sir, it is your sacred responsibility. You say, well, I don't know, this is a new era. We look at things differently today. I'm a little offended that you're even using a gender-specific term like father. I'm, I'm really sorry that offends you. Actually, I don't care if it offends you. Look. <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. That's what creates the problems that we see today. Fathers provide for their children. We've, we've experienced so much failure with this. As a society, we've decided to change the goalposts. Bring it forward, let's lower it to one foot. Okay, here's a football, let's try to kick it over. No, you've changed the whole rule. You've changed the entire thing. That doesn't make us a winner, it makes us cheaters. Fathers provide for their children. You know what Paul told Timothy about a Christian who doesn't provide for his children or his family? Look what he says, the Bible tells us in this next verse. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Look at me, Daddy. If you owe child support and are not paying it, please don't come and share with me your opinion on the book of Revelation. I don't respect it. Look at me. I love you. Pay your child support, guy. Come on. What are you doing? I do not want to know about the truck you're looking at if your children have holes in their shoes. Provide for your children, sir. Do you understand what I'm saying? By the way, the Bible goes even further in the book of Proverbs. You think that's a heavy responsibility? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That means he's so wise in staying out of debt, doesn't spend like a crazy person, 
He saves and invests so well throughout his life, he creates generational wealth that is passed from generation to generation. And after passing it from generation to generation, the third generation or the fourth that receives this generational wealth, the rest of society will look at them and say, aren't you lucky? And the answer is no, that's a hundred years of hard work being passed down. And hopefully they're not idiots with it. The original plan was for the father to point his children to God. See, this is the way it was supposed to work. The way it was supposed to work was that the baby would be delivered and the baby would look up in the face of the father and the only concept that that baby would have of a divine father was dad. And for the first few years, Everything that child would need, yes, she had the nur- he had the nurture, she had the nurture of the loving mother, but then she, he had this figure, this father figure that would provide and protect and care for the child. And so by the time the child gets old enough, at the age of 10, 11, 12 years old, they would look around and say, I don't think dad is God. <laughs> he makes mistakes, he says dumb things, he's kind of like the rest of us. And then the father would look at the child and say, you're right, I'm not perfect. Now it's time for you to learn about the heavenly father. Deuteronomy 6. These are the words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lay down and when you rise up everywhere, everywhere you go, you're constantly talking about the Lord. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at the men. Listen to me, sir. I'm amazed at at some of our conversations. We can talk about everything under the sun and we can't say things like, I sure do love Jesus. If it weren't for the God who created me, I would be nothing. Children, let me tell you what God has done in my life. Sir, sir, Stop it. Start sharing what Jesus has done in your heart. And if he hasn't done something in your heart for a while, then break your heart and get on your knees before God and say, God, help me to know you. Because I got to tell my kids about you. Do you know why children need a father? Because they are all dumb. (laughs) I know some of you are offended by that. That's it, I'm never coming. But they are, they're dumb. They're dumb. (laughs) If you don't think they're dumb, it's because you don't have children in the home. (laughs) And you're a grandparent now. And you only remember the good things and, and you've forgotten, it's very sweet, but your grandchildren are just as dumb as your children were. <laughs> They're dumb. Oh, that's not nice, Pastor. You shouldn't say they're dumb. Oh, you're really not gonna like what I say next. The reason they're dumb is because they came from you. <laughs> You're 
come on. Can, I mean, right? Like some of you I know really well. Jordan, for real, right? And your kid's dumb, and I know that you're thinking to yourself, but my kid's the smartest of the dumb ones. We all think that. <laughs> They're all dumb, because you're dumb, and your parents were dumb, and we passed down through our ge genealogy dumbness. <laughs> we're dumb. Now, theologically speaking, we call it sin. You're a sinner, and you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner because our great-great-great-grandpa, Adam, was a sinner, and Grandma was an Eve was a sinner, and they sinned, and they passed this stupidity down from generation to generation. And so God says to protect these children from their dumbness. In fact, it literally says this in the book of Proverbs. It says that children are born bound up in foolishness. You never have to teach your child to be dumb they're born that way. You have to teach them to be smart. And so God gave them you. That plan didn't work out too well. God gave them me. But that was the original plan. And so now you got dumb people trying to raise dumb people. And so the original plan often fails. And even when it works well, like Lorenzo's a good daddy, and he'll tell you this, even when it works well, it doesn't work all that well. Because every single man in this room is a sinner and a failure. And I can tell you all the times I have not been present, and I can tell you all the times that I did not protect them, and I can tell you all the times that I've messed up, and I can tell you that I need a solution to my failure as a father, and that's the third point of the sermon. There's a perfect solution for failures like me. The perfect solution is the grace of God. God steps in where we screw up. That's what Moses told, Moses was the one who told us to be great parents. And then Moses says in Deuteronomy, on the next verse on the screen, it says that God is the one who administers justice for the fatherless and the widows. You say, what happens with those without a father or without a husband? God steps in and says, I'll take care of them. God is the one who loves the stranger. That means the foreigner. God loves the foreigner. I'll say it again. God loves the foreigner and gives food and clothing to the poor. Isn't it beautiful that God steps in where we screw up? Amen? Amen. By the way, can I just stop and say this, a little side note. Do you know why I love Israel? Because God loves Israel. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Do you know why I love foreigners? Because God loves foreigners and poor people. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. I want to love what God loves and take care of what God takes care of. So where we fail, God comes in and he provides a perfect solution. Here's how the perfect solution plays out. First of all, it plays out this way. God the Father becomes a heavenly Father. Especially to those who don't have a physical Father. Maybe you're here today and say, I don't have a Father. The Bible tells us that God has a special relationship with you. My father is still living. I have a good relationship with him. That means, quite literally, 
God can have a special relationship with you in a way that I can never know until my father's gone. He says that he is a father to the fatherless. That's what the psalmist said. God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. Oh, this is beautiful. You might say, Pastor, what does this sermon have to do with me? I don't have a father. I don't have a mother. I don't have children. I don't have family. I'm just a person all by myself out here in the world. I don't even have. You know what God says? God says, I pick the solitary person and I put them in families. Has God done that for you? You say, not really. Well, maybe look around. Maybe God brought you into a new family today called Southern Hills. And can they tell you something about this family? It's a weird family. (laughs) Just like every family. And I'm not kidding. I just want to say this. If you're a, listen, you might be a solitary person. I believe fully that God brought you here to be part of this family. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. You say, man, I just feel like I'm a slave to my stupid decisions and my dumb choices and and I have no prosperity because of my foolish decisions and my family's foolish decisions. You talk about generational wealth, we don't have that. God says, I come in as the heavenly father and I save you out of that that, that being bound and I bring you out into prosperity. The heavenly father. Here's part of the beautiful solution, the perfect solution, number two, the local church. The local church is God's new plan over the last 2,000 years to step in and take care of the fatherless and those who have no one. In fact, uh, in fact the Bible says in the book of James, chapter one and verse 27, something very specific about this. It says in James chapter one, Pastor James in the church of Jerusalem, he specifically says this, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble. Okay, I'll get real practical. You wanna know what you can do to be a truly religious person? Like a real follower of Jesus? Here's what you need to do. You need to identify those who don't have a father in their life and take care of them. You know some practical ways? Pastor Caleb is our youth pastor. How many of you know Pastor Caleb? He preaches up here sometimes, yeah. He's, he's our youth pastor, he leads the Ascent, and the Ascent teenagers meet here every single Sunday night, they'll be here tonight, uh, at six o'clock. It's an amazing program. I love having my three teenagers part of it. Pastor Caleb will occasionally get up in the middle of the Ascent youth group, and he'll announce something like, okay, everybody, all you kids get ready. We're all going to camp this winter. We're all going to camp this summer. We're gonna do a missions trip. And all the kids are buzz. Ooh, yeah, we're gonna go to camp in California, and we're gonna play games, and we're gonna hear the Bible and we're going to grow spiritually and we're going to have some fun and food. It's going to be awesome. And every single time he does that to a hundred teenagers, there are teenagers who are sitting there thinking to themselves, there's no way I'm going. I mean, there's no way. What am I going to do? Tell, ask mom. I mean, mom freaked out about buying McDonald's for us last week. We have no money. So immediately they know, immediately they know that's for everybody else, not me. So maybe 
Maybe there's some dads in this room, some men in this room who need to step up and say, you know what, where somebody else is not being a father, maybe I'll be a father. Hey, Pastor Caleb, hey, do you have anything big coming up? Hey, you have any camp? Hey, you got this going on? Hey, I saw an announcement. Could I sponsor a couple kids that you know need it most? Right, so maybe you don't get the, the new decal for the truck, you know what I mean? And maybe a kid goes to camp. Every Christmas I like to, I like to take a couple hundred dollar bills out of the, the account. God's grown through the years, our finances, through faith and obedience to the principles of scripture. And I like to take a couple hundred dollar bills and I like to hold on to them. And I like to pray throughout Christmas, Lord, who could we give this to? And God always seems to put on our hearts some single moms. Now, I've grown to the point where I've realized it's not a good idea for me to walk up to a random woman and say, here's a $100 bill. That's weird, you know what I mean? <laughs> so what I, what I do is I'll give my wife that money. I'll say, hey, God, God told me to give that young woman or that that family, this. Could you make a little card? And she writes beautiful cards and she'll put a card in. And maybe, maybe this, maybe one of the things as a man you could do is just keep a, keep a hundo around. You say, man, I could use that for a lot of things. Yeah, you could use it to be a father to somebody. Can I just, I'm trying to get real practical here. Some of you have heard, here's Pastor Andrew. Pastor Andrew, it, Pastor Andrew, would you stand up? Because I want people to see who you are and recognize you. Pastor Andrew is our children's ministry pastor. He leads all of Kidopolis. Can you give this man a round of applause? Praise God. For you've heard me. I'm going to get real blunt with you. Guys, you've heard me get up and say, hey, what, we got some volunteer positions for Kidopolis. And the way you interpret that is, oh, pastor needs some babysitters so adults can worship Jesus. No. There are some seven-year-old boys, some nine-year-old girls who've never had a manly, masculine, godly voice in their life ever. Ever. All of their teachers are female. Their mother, their aunts, their grandmother. That's it. That's it. And that's fine, but the local church is supposed to bring something else. You say, well, what, what, is a, what is a Sunday school teacher do in the life of a child? A godly man who can step in and say, you know what, I'm gonna be a godly voice of reason between the age of six for these boys, these girls. Every Sunday for four or five years, you become the singular voice of godliness in that person's life. Friend, do you understand how essential and important that can be for the development of a youth? I'm not asking to babysit kids. I'm asking to step in and be the heavenly father's role for somebody. I thank God for the men who work in our Kidopolis program, the men who work in our teenage program. Let me move on to my last thought here. The perfect solution is the heavenly father, the local church, all by God's grace, the father figure. I'll end with this. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, we have this throwaway verse where Paul the apostle calls Timothy his son. He's not his son, <laughs> at least not by blood. See, by all accounts, Paul did not have a nuclear family. Maybe that's you. Wife, kids, 
perfect picture, picket fence. That was not Paul. He spent his life dedicated to the pursuit of academia and spirituality. And so by the time he gets to this point in his life, he doesn't have a family. In fact, probably in the religious communities he spent time in, he was probably ostracized a little bit for that. Weird old single man, never married, no kids. And then he met another misfit named Timothy. Timothy had no dad. He had a mom who loved Jesus and a grandmother who loved Jesus, but Timothy had no dad. And we see in the scripture that God brings these two misfit toys together and creates one of the most beautiful friendships in all the Bible where Paul becomes a spiritual father to Timothy and Timothy is mentored by Paul. Here's my question. Maybe God is calling you to do that with some young man. I'm specifically right now celebrating the stepdads in this room who know deep in their heart that you are, that is not your blood, but you live as if that's your blood. I'm talking about the foster dads and the adopted dads and the uncles and the granddads who know this is not technically your duty, but you take on that heavy duty for those kids. God bless you, sir. God bless you. And so, what do we see? The current dilemma. What do we see? The, the original plan, and by God's grace, an alternate solution. Before I close, I want to address those who are not yet Christians. Like, you slipped in here and you're like, okay, this is great. I think that's really interesting but what does this have to do with me? Listen to my words, please, before we go. The same grace that God offers the family is the same grace that God offers you personally. And just like he's making up where we make mistakes as humans in the family, the Bible says that Jesus Christ came to die upon the cross to pay for your sins so that you could be saved. And if you've never repented of your sin and received Christ as your savior today, friend, you can do so. He asks you to come to him, and if you come to him, by his grace, you can be saved. Would you do so if you've never done so? I pray you will. Let's close in prayer. Father, I wanna thank you for the truths you've given us today. Hard to hear, so much to do. <laughs> but I'm resting in your grace that you'll do it in us and through us. Help us, Father, to see the reality of the heavy duty of building a stronger family. And you would help us to accomplish this in you and your grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.